Thank you for joining IEB There. And now your host, Brad Behrens. Over to you, Brad. Thank you, John. Hi, everybody. My name is Brad Behrens. I am the Editor-in-Chief here at the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Welcome to IAB There, our daily live stream where we connect the digital advertising ecosystem. It is Friday, May 15th. Our topic today is effective selling strategies during a crisis. And I am thrilled to welcome Doug Weaver. Please bring him into the stream. Doug is the founder and CEO of Upstream Group. He is a influencer and guru to uh, people across the industry, most particularly in the on the sell side. And we're here to talk about what he's hearing and learning and how he can counsel us during this uh, extraordinary time of change. Doug Weaver, welcome to I Be There. Thank you, Brad. Good to see your face. It's wonderful to see yours, sir. Let's uh, let's dig in. Well, first, you're in Vermont today. Is that right? Where specifically? I am. I am in I am in uh, Charlotte, Vermont, uh, my hometown, which has uh, which has more covered bridges than traffic lights, so it's uh, it's wow. as advertised. Uh, and uh, uh, and you, when did you found Upstream? How long has this been this been a going concern? We have been in business since uh, late 1997, so we're we're going into our 23rd year now. So. And 1997 is uh, five years after a very important date. And you were there at the actual date that the first interactive ads uh, went live, which was October 27th, 1994. And you were one of the first people to actually sell them. So just tell us about that date. I, we celebrated an anniversary recently. What, uh, what, uh, what happened on that day? Give, uh, us, give us a short from, version. From my perspective, it was a very happy accident. I was lucky enough to be uh, invited onto the sales staff at Wired Magazine. I actually opened the New York office for Wired. And um, my team was, uh, was involved in selling many of the first uh, banners that went live on the site on the date that you mentioned. So um, it was, uh, we, I, can't, I can't stress enough how little we knew what we were doing back then. But uh, it's, it's really, it's, it was really fortunate for me to be a part of our business's history. And, and you've been part of the industry since its inception, and you've seen a bunch of crises. Uh, we, had, we had 2001 uh, with 9-11, we had the financial collapse, and now mm -hmm. we have coronavirus, mm -hmm. which I think is quite, quite arguably the largest disruption to human existence in over a century since the no so-called Spanish flu. So what do you what are you hearing? What are you hearing right now from folks? Uh, you know, like wh where do you think people are, uh, and how does it compare? Yeah, I think that um, I think that it's a story of weeks, right? I think the first the first week, ten days, it was uh, it was a lot of just you know circling the wagons. Right? I think people were shocked by how fast the onset of stay at home, and how fast the uh, the the nervousness among advertisers and agencies and the, the initial questions about rolling back budgets, about pushing money out of the quarter. So all that stuff uh, you know, happened very quickly. And then I think there was a period of you know, a couple of weeks of like, hey, we're all in this together and, you know, uh, and start sending packages to your agency contacts and uh, send good wishes to your clients and tell them that you're not in it for just, uh, you know, just com you know, commercial success, uh, but that you're there to serve them. Um, and then I think something very important happened, which was I think people started to get a sense of the duration. They started to understand that, oh, this is going to be long and it's going to be deep. And, uh, you know, we've done the battle. Now we're doing the siege. 
Mm. And that was a, and that was an awakening. And um, so what I'm seeing now is that it's a very jagged line in terms of how different companies are doing, right? And how different sellers are doing. If you are, if your fortunes are tied to travel, uh, if they're tied to, uh, you know, to studio-based entertainment, uh, it's a rough time right now, and it's not going to get better, you know, anytime soon. Other categories are doing okay, um, and I think that, like within each sales organization, um, it's uh, it's a very diverse set of symptoms. So that's that's kind of how people are doing, and and what I've been doing is trying to be as available and put something good out there on a consistent basis. And, uh, you know, be as much of an ear and a counselor to as many folks as I can. And let's let's give a shout out to your long running newsletter, The Drift, which I've subscribed to since I think we met in 2004. Uh, what's the URL for The Drift and how often, what cadence do you have for it? Yeah, The Drift is at getthedrift.com. And uh, we put up some new content or some repurposed content occasionally uh, every week. Uh, and for the last nine weeks, uh, it's been completely dedicated to this moment in time for the sales community. And uh, so trying to put some helpful messages out there. And uh, so far, the traction has been really great. And it feels good to put that out there. Awesome. Uh, and then I did neglect to say, because I was just so excited to get to the conversation part of this, uh, that we will be entertaining questions for Doug Weaver. And the way to post questions is on Twitter. If you can please go to Twitter and use the hashtag I be there, all caps, one word. I be there, all caps, one word, and we will field your questions uh, as they come in. Um, so I've been listening to you uh, and paying close attention for many years. And one distinction that you made uh, some time ago was uh, the difference between getting to yes, which is the sort of the classic 1981 book uh, about negotiation and your, your, your twist on that, which was very powerful was getting to us. That was a distinction you made uh, you know, quite some time ago. I'm wondering, um, has coronavirus pressurized that in some way? Um, you know, where, where the getting to us part, I think is harder when us is squeezed through uh, the internet and, and Zoom calls versus you know, washing up on a bar, at a bar somewhere with, uh, with a client. So mm -hmm. how's yeah. getting to us happening right now? I think I think probably it, it bears it bears a little explanation about what I meant by that concept for those who haven't read about it. Um, the idea of getting to us is uh, taking the distance and the conflict out of sales, um, literally selling through empathy, getting close to the customer, getting close to their business problem, um, really operating in a very intimate, collaborative fashion with the customer. So I think in terms of what's happened to that uh, during this time is that it's actually been validated, right? I feel very fortunate to have been talking about ways to, you know, be more customer focused, to get to the point, to lead with the customer need for many years. And as I like to say, you know, uh, you know, yesterday's best practices are today's survival skills. Mm. Because in this environment, if you're, if you're connecting with a customer through Zoom or you're trying to get their attention in, in an inbox that has 50% more email in it uh, today than it did three months ago, um, you know, being customer focused is not a luxury anymore, right? We, we simply cannot waste the customer's time. We cannot go into meetings with the idea that they're gonna have the time or interest in, in examining our wares. We've gotta be there to solve a problem. So uh, I think that you know, getting to us is more important than it's ever been. And I'm excited about sort of translating that and teaching people how to do that through, uh, through this box. And so far the results have been pretty great. And, um... 
And I think, um, I think that leads me to a different question, which is, I think this has been hard on everyone. And I think that it's hardest, uh, if not hardest, but I think it's differently hard on people on the sell side. So what's the psychological toll that you're seeing? Like what's, mm. what's happening right now? Um, because sellers tend to have some really key metrics and some reliable ones that are now changed. So, mm. so what's, what's changed yeah. and what's hurting? I think there was a really interesting phenomenon that happened um, right out of the gate. I think that initially um, many of the, the, the big publishers uh, looked at their sales teams and said, wow, these guys are really going to take a beating. We better figure out how to uh, adjust compensation, adjust those models, uh, try to keep our best sellers you know, engaged and make them whole. So they did a little bit of relief on, on goals and, and budgets and, and, uh, and commissions. So sometimes some of them guaranteed commissions, some of them lowered the numbers, right? So essentially it was an economic move with the idea that if you took care of people's finances, that would take care of their emotional stability and allow them to keep doing good work. What they found was kind of the opposite because that really didn't help, right? That really didn't make the difference. I believe that it was because what sellers are missing right now is not necessarily the numbers on a paycheck. Um, it's the scoreboard. Right. Hmm. You know, as sellers, we're used to keeping track of our goals or measuring our worth based on sort of how we're doing relative to a goal where, you know, can we see ourselves on the leaderboard? Can we track the progress of a deal? And overnight, all that was taken away. So we, 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 we no longer have a scoreboard to look at. So in the work that I've been doing, coaching uh, different managers, I'm talking to them about, you know, how now how do you replace that scoreboard? How do you give people something to shoot for? when numbers might either be unattainable or those numbers have been in some way forgiven. Uh, and so that's, so psychologically, that's, that's sort of a, a general trend that a lot of sellers are, are dealing with. Um, the second thing I think that is, that's happening is that they have really different sort of psychological and, uh, and managerial needs uh, at this time. So any manager who is leading a team you know, can't look at that team as a monolith and they can't sit down and say, well, I'm going to have a one-on-one -on -one with everybody for a half hour on Monday and we're going to have our team meeting on Thursday. You've got people in your organization who have uh, school-age kids that are being homeschooled. You have others oh, that yes. have infants in the house. And then you have, you know, uh, some, some younger staff members who might be rattling around by themselves in an apartment in Queens. And those people are the ones who may really need the extra time and, and uh, attention from a manager. So, uh, it's it's really about if you're if you're managing in this environment, it's really about having a heightened level of sensitivity and figuring out what the appropriate level of presence and service is for your team. Um, yeah, I, I will concur that that I think the people who are being hardest hit, uh, aside from the people who actually you know have the coronavirus, but the healthiest people who are hardest hit are the people who live alone and mm. and who are just sort of trapped, trapped with their thoughts and counting ceiling cracks a whole bunch of the time. So um, one of the things I admire about you as a thinker, Doug, is that you're, you're very schematic uh, and that you create schemas that other people can use. And so uh, I want to do the, the start and stop. So what should sellers stop doing, right? We know that they're doing a lot of things, but like if you're like, stop doing this, and the obvious next question coming is what they should start doing. But let's start with, let's start with stop, which is, What's a waste of time right now? What should people stop doing or change quickly? Yeah, this is something that was actually informed. I was hosting a, uh, a happy hour a few weeks ago and 
one of the participants in the happy hour um, made the point that uh, as soon as she let go of the calendar, right, as soon as she stopped worrying about what was going to happen next week or what was going to happen on the, you know, the 15th of June or the 1st of August, that uh, a, wave, a wave of calm and control came back into her life. So my advice to my advice to to you know to, to sellers and to really just everyone in the industry and beyond is stop watching the calendar, stop watching the clock. Um, as soon as you make peace with the idea that okay, this is going to be uh, a year, this is going to be two years, right? Whatever that duration is, uh, as soon as you make peace with that and just let that go you suddenly start focusing on now, what can I do in this environment? You know, what can I do in this box? How can I make this moment great? How can I succeed using the tools and the, uh, and the, the time that I have now? Because the calendar, the calendar and the clock can be, uh, can, be, can be very wicked enemies to people's psyches, right? As long as we're sort of just waiting and hoping that next week is somehow gonna be better than this week, or gosh, the restaurants are opening in Georgia, so what does that mean for my calendar? it's all pointless, right? The truth is um, we're, you know, there's not going to be a massive change until there's a vaccine. There's not going to be sort of just a, a return to normal at some particular date on the clock. So as soon as we let that go, things actually get better. And they get better just because you're, you're thinking like, well, like, what can I achieve today? What can I achieve this week? As opposed to I got to hit this number in three months, like dig, dig in a little bit. Yeah, it, 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 well, it allows you to live in the present. Right. And I think that, you know, what, what I think people are caught up in is they're caught up in cycles of anxiety and nostalgia. Boy, I wish it was like it was before. I really enjoyed being at CES in January. It'd be great to get back on a plane. I miss the Delta club, you know, whatever. And that's, you know, kind of pointless. And then the other thing is that I think people just have a lot of unfocused anxiety about the future and, you know, they somehow see the, the calendar as liberating them. They see the calendar as something that's going to suddenly sort of break them free of this and allow them to go back to uh, the old ways. And, um, it's, and it's not healthy, right? Because that person is operating in either the past or the future, right? And obviously we, we all know through any study of human psychology that, uh, you know, you can only function as an entire human in the present. So what I try to do in every way that I can is to get people focused on what's in front of them, get them focused on today, because whatever else is happening in the world, this is a day in your life. And this, by the way, I mean, CES, at this point, I'd be delighted to, to go to CVS. I mean, just the idea of getting out of the house there uh, you can go. Is, 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 is really, really uplifting. Uh, but I mean, let's, let's talk about that in terms of, you know, how, how do you, how do you do that as a seller? when you also have pressure to hit a number where you also have, you've got weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual goals. I mean, it's, it's I think it, it's the right thing to say emotionally, but how do you reconcile not watching the clock with also having pretty concrete revenue goals that you need to achieve? Well, it's actually, I think it's actually the key to getting back to the productive activity that's going to give you a chance to hit some revenue goals, right? I, th I think it's, it's reordering the mind of the seller. So right now, if I'm watching the calendar and I'm thinking that uh, I'm going to get somehow liberated, you know, three weeks or a month from now, uh, I'm probably not leaning into what's possible today. I'm not leaning into how I'm creating value for marketers and advertising agencies and coming up with the creative ideas and thinking about how to serve my customers. So it's really, it, you're, I'm really unlocking the, 
you know, the talent and the energy and the human capital and applying it on the things that would create business, that would create opportunities. And there are opportunities to do great work for marketers right now. They need help. Agencies oh, yeah. need help. And I think the, you know, the, the, the people who are sort of, uh, you know, too, too sheepish or too embarrassed or, uh, or just too uh, closed to, you know, reach out and try to create commercial opportunity and create movement with their accounts today are, uh, are wasting a very valuable opportunity. Our, our mutual friend, Rashad Tabakawala, says something along the lines of you can't measure the future with the scales of the past. And I think one of the, what I'm hearing you say is don't, don't get so caught up in trying to achieve yesterday's numbers that you neglect uh, what's on the table today mm-hmm. and that we're neglecting the, the current need that might uh, most likely is going to be smaller and shorter term while, mm-hmm. because you're waiting uh, kind of uh, hopelessly for things to go back to what they were, which seems unlikely. So yeah. is that a fair account of what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, and I think also, you know, to, to, to go back to um, something else that was in Rashad's book, uh, he said, you know, the, you know, there's the spreadsheet and then there's the story, right? And I think that, you know, the people who are watching the spreadsheet right now and saying like, gosh, I hope things change in three weeks so that uh, American Express will go ahead and run the program that I sold them in January that was supposed to start in March. Um, that's a fool's errand. So the, what I tell them is, look, don't, don't count on business that's been paused or moved out of quarter suddenly sort of launching back up again. Instead, what's the new story? So uh, what, are you, what are you able to do for that advertiser today? Uh, what problem are you solving for that marketer or that agency team today? Because it's a new reality out there. So we have to have new stories. We have to have new stories about, about value we have to have new stories about urgency uh, for clients. And it's, it's really going to separate the, the, the wheat from the chaff in terms of uh, sales talent and character in our business. I, I think you might have anticipated to my next question uh, just now, but let, let's, let me ask it anyway, which is we talked about what, what people should stop doing, which is you know, stop focusing on trying to, to squeeze yesterday's targets into today's new reality. Well, what should they start doing? It's like you're, 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 you were getting there, maybe you already covered it, but, but yeah. I want to ask no. you about. Yeah, I think I, I, and actually it's kind of a build off of, uh, off of the last question which, as well, which is, you know, I talked to them about, about making the pivot to service, okay? which means letting go, of the, letting go of the outcome a little bit, right? Not being attached to the outcome of things, not sort of, not, not gauging every action based on, you know, Will there be an objection to it? Is, is this something they're going to buy? Is the pricing right? Is the, you know, is the language right? But literally to get up every day and think, you know, how am I going to do something valuable and generous for my advertisers, right? I'm going to, you know, bec- I'm going to figure out ways to create value. I'm going to push ideas across the transom. And in some cases, uh, <clears throat> you know, with, in some cases they may buy, they may, they may fund the idea, they may fund the, offer- the opportunity. But in other cases, it's like, you know what? Hey, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this because I'm thinking about you. I know that you at the agency have to put good ideas in front of your client. Uh, you're trying to keep business running. You're trying to build hours. Here's an idea. You know, here's a piece of data and a plan for how you can, um, how you can take advantage of the moment and do something positive. And just keep pivoting to service. Keep doing things for your customers. Learning about their problems. Learning about the, you know, how their business is changing learning about how, they, um, how they're thinking about opening up uh, at certain points when the economy starts to go back online and figuring out how to help. So 
you know, the idea is if you have a plan based on service, your job is to work the plan. As I said in one of my blog posts a few weeks ago, you know, there's no yesterday and there's no tomorrow. There's only the plan. Hmm. So work the next hour of the plan, right? Do something productive and positive. It's impossible to feel sad and useful at the same time. And also, we just getting back to the getting to us distinction that we were talking about earlier mm -hmm. is that that's when there's an us, right? When you're you're not just looking to convert somebody on one thing one time. Uh, I talk about the good no and the bad no because you know you and I have known each other for a long time. I, I have hundreds and hundreds of events, um, you know, numberless columns uh, and blog posts, and and so it's never just no. Right, it's it, you know the good no is not this time, right? This is this isn't going to fit at this particular moment, but I, I still love you. I still want to hear from you, and and let's figure out let's figure out next time. And so I think that that's sort of just a that's the editorial slant in what you're talking about. Yeah, probably. yeah, no, it makes it makes perfect sense. You know, <clears throat> one of the phrases that uh, has come up in a bunch of my coaching sessions recently is that you know the 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 first fork in the road is the one that's in your own head. And I think that for the, you know, for the seller, he or she is, you know, has to make that decision that, okay, am I, am I a victim in this? Am I just somebody that's going to try to, you know, hold on tight and, and ride this thing out and survive? Or am I going to, uh, or am I going to sort of, you know, grab the reins and, and, uh, and try to just do good work, right? Uh, it's like, hey, none of us can control this. My gosh, in the retail business, I've talked to a number of clients who have retail lists or that are their business is dependent on retail. And this is the biggest retail slump in you know, modern history. So you're not going to yeah. fix that by yourself, right? You can't control that outcome. So press as hard as you might, you know, it, it won't make a lot of difference. What you can do is define yourself in the eyes of your customers at a time like this. You can, you can do good work that you control and you do an hour of good work and then you do another hour and pretty soon you've, you're having good days and you're, and you are rising in esteem in the eyes of your clients. I mean, and also, I mean, I, you know, I've got a, I've got a bunch of endeavor here at IAB and there are some days where, you know, I have to just stop and go, wait, we made progress today. You know, like things are, things are moving forward. They may not have reached where I want them to reach on the timeline that I want them to reach, but that's not really a surprise given you know, how many new obstacles we have, right. but just being able to recognize and celebrate progress when, when uh, but in order to do that, you have to pay attention. You have to notice it. Uh, and my friend, my late friend, Warren Bennis was, you know, a fantastic thinker about business. And what he said was great executives are first class noticers. It was one mm. of the things he, he taught me. And, and, but you that. have to take time to notice things and time is, is not abundant right now. Yeah. Um, well, there, there, is, there is a lot of good stuff going on right now. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to clients and they're saying, listen, you know, uh, I, so we, we, we took a $5 million hit, um, you know, sort of money that just came off the books. But, you know, we've seen, you know, we've seen $3 million in new bookings happen, right? So <laughs> things that we've created, right? On, uh, in, in, in my own company, we've managed to stand up an entire uh, online curriculum right in, in in 10 weeks and uh, and are doing some good work there so yeah i love that idea that warren uh, espoused about being a first class noticer because if all you're doing is looking at the big number and saying gosh i wish things were better you're not going to notice the good things that are coming on and if you are if you're noticing and you're celebrating and you are rewarding that effort and that excellence 
then as a manager, you've got an opportunity to sort of build one of the best teams that you'll ever have working for you. And that's what I try to help a lot of, a lot of the managers that I coach get to that place. So I just, let's get your, your URL into the minds of the audience because you were talking about your curriculum. So upstreamgroup.com is the, is I think, and also get the drift, uh, which yeah. we talked about earlier. So one thing that, um, that we're seeing in data uh, from all over the place uh, on the research side that we're seeing in conversations with people from every quadrant of the industry is, is this idea that what coronavirus has done is accelerate a lot of change that was already happening. Uh, it is definitely an inflection point. It's creating new things, but most of the conditions th that it's creating you know, aren't forever. We won't always be afraid to go outside but there's a bunch of things that are going to be changed permanently. Um, I don't suspect that I will uh, be traveling as much as I used to, uh, just because I, we've all now gotten so skilled mm -hmm. at having conversations like the one you and I are having right now. Uh, what do you think, uh, just in general, but also on the sell side, um, what's gonna be a permanent change and, and how should uh, people on the sell side, and in general, how should people be thinking about this? Because again, a late motif of our conversation has been, you know, don't think things are going back to where they were. Don't get, you know, you have to release yourself from the numbers that you had two days ago. Mm -hmm. But in terms of behavior, um, like I have, I'm not optimistic about the future of the movie theater, uh, mm -hmm. for example. Right. Um, what do you think is going to be a permanent change or a slower to recover change? If yeah, that, yeah. I, I think that, um, I think that one of the most harmful notions out there is that um, there's going to be some kind of a return, right? That's like things are going to get back to normal, that we're going to return to the status quo in some way. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think that what's actually happening is we're advancing into a brand new era of, of our business and of business overall. Um, as you said earlier in the, uh, in, in the interview, uh, this is the biggest you know, change that's ever been imposed on humanity all at the same time, right? So mm -hmm. never have so many change so fast. Uh, all at once. So, you know, that it's impossible for that not to leave permanent mark. So what's going to happen going forward? I think that, um, you know, I think that there, there are some, some things, some, some fundamental uh, re-examinations that are going to happen now that we've gotten used to working as teams via Zoom and other screen share platforms. Now that we've gotten used to sort of, you know, spending more of our time with our customers via this channel, Right and working around the lack of face-to-face, -face. Um, I think what it's going to do is it's going to um, it's going to change the notion of what the geographic talent pool is. Right, if I'm a publisher and I'm a I'm a, a VP of sales or a chief revenue officer, I've always had to like you know you know pay you know very large salaries to people because it, it costs that much to live in New York within 30 mile within a 30 mile commute of the city. Uh, well, now suddenly my talent pool has grown to I can have like a really great seller in uh, Jacksonville. I can have a really great seller in, you know, in, in Baltimore, Maryland or, uh, or, or Cleveland. Uh, and, you know, so the, the tyranny of place is, has kind of been broken. So I think it's going to change. That's going to change. I think that we're going to we're going to think differently about the talent pool. I think that one of the positive changes that can come out of this is that as the, as the workforce spends, and I, I think there will be a permanent shift of the workforce out of uh, sort of centralized offices. I think that we're gonna have limited staff, we're gonna have limited encounters with each other in those environments. I also think we're gonna have uh, severe limitations on you know, time that we get to spend at ad agencies or at client headquarters, right? I just don't think that people can open their doors 
for a long, long time and maybe never in the way that they have in the past. So if that all happens, um, I've also got the opportunity to say, hey, now that I've got a workforce that is, that is operating primarily uh, from home base, can I reinvent the business in ways that's going to be more supportive of the families? Right. I can tell you from my own perspective, I've been a road warrior for a long time, and I know the pressure that it's put on my wife to, uh, to sort of have me absent for long periods of time. So I think now we have an opportunity to say, hey, what's the new what's the new adjacent possibility that this all creates? So there's a lot to be excited about, about the potential change um, that's taking place. But I think that um, the idea is to lean into that change to, uh, to say, okay, this is a new era. Uh, I'm going to get ready for this new era. I'm going to adapt and I'm going to practice some extreme reinvention of my business, of my career, of the way that I think about my presence in the, in the market. Uh, I think uh, extreme reinvention should be the title of uh, you know, a, a book by Doug Weaver uh, sometime soon. Uh, that's, uh, that, that's, uh, that's great. Um, you brought up your family just now. I think you've got some happy news to share with the audience, as I recall. I do indeed. Uh, my uh, my grandson is going to be joining us in about three weeks. So um, very, very, very excited about about that. And uh, we're, we're very blessed. And uh, I, I think uh, it's it. I'm looking forward to this era of being the Internet grandpa. Mazel tov to, to you and to your daughter. Um, Thank you. So does that does that life change make you think differently? about this crisis, this is, we've had so many about new life in the world, like parting thoughts, uh, we've got one more question, but, but uh, how's, that, how's that changing the way Doug Weaver thinks about things? You know, I think that I've always seen uh, my own career and my relationship with, you know, my customers and my friends in the industry and the business overall uh, in stages. Um, I've always, I've never thought about it as one monolithic thing from start to finish. I've always thought about it as different chapters. So I've been thinking a lot about kind of, you know, 3.0 over the last couple of years. And uh, obviously this news, which we got last fall, um, you know, definitely I I am going to want to sort of be, you know, much more present, much more sort of place-based here than I have in the past. So when, uh, so when, uh, when COVID came along and, you know, shut down the world, I think it took what I may have been doing over the next two or three years and it sort of made it the next two or three months. So the reinvention of my business, uh, and frankly, Brad, most people who I work with probably don't have any idea where I live anyway. Uh, but uh, so the, the, the challenge or the, uh, the opportunity that I see right now is, um, hey, how do I go on having uh, a positive presence and, uh, and a positive influence in this business for a long time to come? Because this business has been amazing to me. It's given me a great lifestyle and terrific relationships and uh, so many wonderful rewards. And uh, I'm by no means finished, but it is definitely a time of change. Uh, and right now I've made the pivot to where I'm, I'm very excited about what's next. A great place to be and it's an optimistic and uplifting place to be uh, at this particular historical moment. So, uh, Doug Weaver, thank you so much for joining us on Ivy there. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. So, thank you, right. Brad. Thanks, pleasure everybody. To be here. Let me, I will have you back. Uh, let me do the credits. Thank you, uh, everybody. Um, uh, on next week, we, uh, we kick off on Monday, and we're, I'm excited to welcome Kathleen Hessert.
uh, to talk with us about Gen Z. She's the founder and president of Sports Media Challenge and also the We Are Gen Z platform uh, with a really robust panel, and we'll learn more about that, uh, how coronavirus is affecting this particular generation, uh, the generation which is uh, of such intense interest to so many in our industry. So please tune in then. Uh, I Be There is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our show today was produced by Connor Healy, Joe Ons, Joe, John Ward, and Tufika Mahinadin. I'm Brad Behrens, your host and the editor-in-chief here at the IAB. Thank you so much for joining us. Come back on Monday because if it's a weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern, you know that it's time to IAB there. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>